Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. again to the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. This is part two of the conversation that I had with Mike, David, and Grad talking about the 2007 football season. In this episode, we're actually covering the first four conference games. Um, that would have been games against Kansas State, Baylor, Colorado, and Texas A&M. We actually take a dive in and, and take a look at what we remember the most, which ones we think are the most important. Uh, so enjoy. All right, so let's kind of jump into the first few games uh, of the of the conference season. And I'm actually just going to go ahead and group the four the the next four games together. We had at at K State, which was a 30 to 24 win. Uh, we had a a 58 to 10 win over Baylor in Lawrence, a 19 to 14 win at Colorado, and then a 19 to 11 win at Texas A&M. So of those four games. Which one was the most surprising to you, and which one do you think was the most memorable or, or the most important for how the season turned out? Let's let's go ahead and start with David this time. Um, I think the the K State game was probably the most eye opening. Um, now K State ended up not uh, being very good that year, but if memory serves, I think they had just beaten Texas because for whatever reason Ron Prince just owned Texas at K State. Yeah, that was, the, I, that, was, that was the Ron Prince stomp game. They destroyed Texas that game. Yeah, so I, I think uh, they were undefeated and ranked at the time, if, if I remember correctly. Right. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah, so so even though they ended up, you know, falling apart as the season went on, at that time, um, you know, going to Manhattan and getting K-State, um, that was, you know, you, you didn't know exactly what to think of the team after those first four games because, yes, they dominated everybody but they still hadn't played a power conference team yet. And to then go on the road and play a K-State team that at, at that time 
looked like they were going to be pretty darn good. Um, I I think that that's what really got my attention as far as okay, so this, this you know there might there might be something special going on. Those those first four games might uh, might mean more than than originally uh, thought. So um, yeah, I, I remember I, I just kind of assuming that that was going to be the game where. You know the the other shoe would drop and and we'd lose that that first game and it would be back to Kansas football. But when we went on the road and won that one, and as we all know, road wins in the Big Twelve have been uh, few and far between for Kansas. You know that was uh, that that was a that was a good sign, and I think really um, really when KU started to get some some national attention. Yeah, I I I think you know for me. The, the, the K State game was definitely, you know, I, I agree with you. It was a, it was a nice eye opener, but I, I I wasn't as surprised as, for that one just because you know the, KU had beaten K State two out of the three years prior, and the one year we didn't beat them, we were easily the better team. It was, I mean, we lost a fluke game to them in Manhattan when we hadn't figured out the quarterback situation yet. I think we lost like 10 to six or it was like some weird low scoring game, but yeah, I mean, honestly though, the, I mean, but, but, you know, once we kind of figured it out, we, we made a bowl game that year. They did it. I mean, KU was the better team. So really, I mean, KU had been the better team all, all three previous years. So I was in school. So I was kind of like, you know, a tough game, but the year before K state had gone and beaten Texas and then we, beat them really easily in Lawrence the next week. So I, I, I was feeling, you know, I was nervous about the game, but I still was like, okay, you know, we beat K-State last year. Uh, the, the Texas win wasn't as intimidating to me just because same, same thing as last year. They beat Texas and they rolled into Lawrence. We, you know, I think we'd be in 39 to 20 or something like that. Um, really, you know, I, I think the Texas A&M game really stood out to me just because it was a Big 12 South opponent. Uh, and really, you know, if you look at KU wins under Mangino previously, they'd beaten K-State several times. They had some wins over bad Iowa State teams. They had some wins over really bad Baylor teams. Um, you know, Colorado was had been a little bit better than them, but not really. You know, Colorado really wasn't waxing KU. I mean, they had, they had that overtime loss and some other close games. So, Going down to tech, going into the state of Texas and, and beating a Big 12 South opponent, you know, College Station, you, you've got you know over a hundred thousand fans there. I, I mean, I have no, I, I I can't even tell you when the last time they beaten Texas A&M before that game was. So I mean, that was one where it was like, okay, you know, we're, we're, it's not just Baylor and and you know teams that we've beaten recently or hung tight with recently. You know, we went down into the state of Texas and College Station in front of a crazy 100,000-person crowd and, and won. And I think at that point, too, you know, that out of those four games, I mean, they were all significant. Anytime you can beat a big bowl team on the road, it's huge. Um, you know, Colorado beat Oklahoma that year. So, I mean, obviously, Boulder was a really tough place to play, and I remember they had a pretty good defense. But, you know, going down into Texas and beating A&M out of those four games stood out to me because that was a sign where, okay, we're not beating K-State and, and Baylor and teams that we've beaten with Mangino under the past. We're actually starting to beat, you know, the Texas schools now. And so that I think that would be the game I would choose. 
And A&M did go to a bowl game that year, too. They were uh, they won seven games, so it's not like we caught them on a – I know we get a lot of uh, crap for playing kind of the, the weaker half of the Big 12 South, but that, was, that wasn't a pushover A&M team either. And like you said, College Station's always uh, always a really tough place to play no matter uh, what what team A&M seems to have. I, uh, I actually mostly agree with the, the reasoning going on here. Uh, you know, I wasn't too – so I, I, I was happy and a little surprised, but I wasn't shocked, I guess, by the result of Manhattan just because we knew we were – at the least we were on their level and that we could compete with them. And, you know, going into that game, you know, you're putting up 55 points a game or whatever it was, yeah, against inferior competition, but still your offense is humming, your defense is suffocating. I mean, you're smoking these guys. And so you, you had to have been confident going into Kansas State. Uh, but uh, – and then Baylor back then was nothing. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think the turning point, I guess you want to call it, in the season was that Colorado game because Colorado is coming in. Uh, they're coming in off of a loss to K-State. But prior to that, they had knocked off Oklahoma in Boulder. So you knew they were capable of, of – you knew they were a good team. You know, they just knocked off number three Oklahoma. Um, and even though they – you know, it's a, it's a big 12. They were in Manhattan. And, you know, that can be a tough place to play for some teams, I guess. But, uh, you know, going in there and, and playing a, a tight, hotly contested defensive game, you know, 19 to 11, that there wasn't a lot of offense there. They had a good defense, but, you know, our defense matched them. And we got just enough to, to get it done and get out of there with the win. And then to back it up by going on the road to Texas A&M, you know, in one of the loudest stadiums of the country, uh, you know, that that's where K-State was where you knew we were going to a bowl game. And I think Colorado and if not Colorado, then Texas A&M, you knew we were headed for a special season. Yeah, I think I have to agree that I, I think Colorado is kind of the one that what's most important in determining kind of the direction for the team. The reason being, you know, um, that was really the first game where we won with our defense. Um, the prior games, you know, we had scored at least 30 points. Um, oh, and actually all of them except for the Kansas State game, we had scored at least 45 points against all of the, you know, lesser opponents that we had had. Um, and the defense didn't really have to work very hard. Yeah, yeah they didn't give up very many points. Um, but – Honestly, the offenses that they had played weren't, weren't really anything special. Um, the one time they had played a, a decent team, you know, they gave up 24 points, so the defense hadn't really held. The offense was able to pull it out. That, that was the first game, though, there at Colorado where our defense won us the game because the offense wasn't able to get really a whole lot going against that defense for Colorado. Um, you know, but winning 19-14 to 14 was a much closer and a much more defensive game that kind of showed just how well-rounded the team was that, you know, the, the defense still carried over from the prior year and that they were able to win us a game if the offense had an off night. Um, and then to go ahead and back that up by going down to Texas A&M on the road again and winning another game, another low scoring game, 19 to 11 there again, just kind of hammered point or hammered home the point that if our offense wasn't, wasn't clicking on all cylinders, our defense could still go out there and win the game for us, um, which, you know, was, was really important for us later, um, especially, you know, when we get to the bowl game playing against Virginia Tech. The defense was huge there, and they had already shown that they could do that against quality opponents um, at Colorado and at Texas A&M. 
I think one thing too, um, you know, to, to give your guys as a Colorado choice a little more credence is, uh, I, I believe that was the first year that Dan Hawkins was there, and he obviously we know now that he was terrible, but he had a ton <laughs> of hype uh, coming into college. Remember, he had all the, you know, had worked all his magic at Boise State, and you know, then Colorado got him, and everyone was like, oh man. You know, Colorado got Dan Hawkins, a guy who was so, you know, got Boise, put Boise State on the map. And, you know, so you had, you know, kind of the, the, the Dan Hawkins hype and then, you know, beating a top five team, you know, Oklahoma. All of a sudden, I remember all people were like, oh my God, Dan Hawkins, watch out. And then, you know, fittingly, then KU under Turner Gill ended his career <laughs> uh, just a couple of years later. And, and obviously things did not work out for. Dan Hawkins at all. I mean, looking at it now, I mean, it's kind of, you know, Colorado views the Hawkins period, kind of how we do view, you know, Gill and Weiss, just, you know, one of those, what were we thinking? But yeah, I mean, I remember at the time, you know, everyone, when, when Colorado hired him, everybody, you know, myself included, thought it was a slam dunk hire. And all of a sudden, like, oh crap, you know, Colorado got the, you know, got a legit coach and, they just beat a, a really good team. So, I mean, that definitely was, it definitely was a scary game going in and looking back on it now, it doesn't feel significant, but I remember at the time it was definitely a game I was really, really worried about. And then after we won, just, you know, one of those giant sigh of relief types of games. Yeah, that was actually Hawkins second season, but you know, two years prior to that season, they were two and 10. Um, and in Hawkins' first year, they went six and seven, but they made it to a bowl game, lost to Alabama in the Independence Bowl. Um, so I mean, that was a huge improvement from from just prior to Dan Hawkins to his first year. And the expectation was he was going to take another big step forward as he kind of integrated his his system a lot more. The one actually, you guys were talking earlier about Texas A&M, you know, it, them being a good solid team, and actually. They only went seven and five that year. They were nine and four the, the previous year. Um, Dennis Franconi actually resigned towards the end of this season in 2007. So I mean, they they were actually not having a very good year at all by Texas A&M standards. Enough that the you know head coach was no longer the head coach by the end of the season. Um, so that actually looking at that kind of makes I think the Colorado game stand out a little bit more because Colorado was on the trend up whereas Texas A&M was on a trend down, even though it was a, a, a Big 12 South opponent. You know, they had just two, two weeks prior to the Kansas game lost at Texas Tech, just got creamed by the Red Raiders 35-7. Uh, to 7. You know, they had had in the only other kind of big matchup they had, they lost to uh, Miami, um, you know, in their last non-conference game. So that, that was definitely, I think, a team that was kind of fading a little bit, which kind of helped the fight to uh, feed the – the narrative that KU hadn't really played anybody because they missed Oklahoma and Texas. But I mean, they might have been fading a little bit, but they were still six and two at the time of the Kansas game. Like you didn't, true. you didn't know that they were going to end up at, at a 500 ball club. They they were six and two. You know, it was still Texas A&M. It was still Kyle Field. Uh, they were a top 25 team the first four weeks of the year. Like that was, and and, and you know, based on the the interviews that we've done this week with with Jake Sharp and Bob Davis, like that, that was a tough game. And you know, Javorski Lane was hard for KU to stop. He, uh, and and it was yeah, that was that was a tough game. I don't, I don't want you to undersell it too much. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a tough game. But looking at how Texas A&M kind of finished that season out, I mean, you could argue that that losing to Kansas kind of started the spiral down for him, but. 
you know, no doubt. They, they played number 12, Kansas, at home. Then they had to go to Norman to play Oklahoma, um, got creamed in that game, then had to go to Missouri to play them, lost by two touchdowns, were able to win their rivalry game against Texas. Um, but, you know, then they lost in the bowl game to Penn State. So, I mean, they, they just finished horribly that season. Yeah, they were they were six and two coming into our game, but you know they, the only other win that they got the rest of the year was was in their rivalry game, the last game of the regular season. So um, part of that I think just is the fact that their schedule was extremely backloaded. Um, but I think the other part of that is you know they might have been a little overhyped going into the season and then just were never able to kind of live up to it. All right, any any other comments about those those four games? I'm glad we won them. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> And that'll do it for part two of our conversation. We will be back with another episode, either later tonight or first thing tomorrow, uh, moving on in the season and, and give you more great discussion about that wonderful 2007 season. Thanks again and join us next time on the Rock Shark Talk Podcast. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.